Welcome back to another episode of All Things Red. On today's show, I have Kalanji Moore. Kalanji is uh, a good friend of uh, Mark Darden, who I had on the podcast earlier. Um, Mark played for Team Jamaica in the World Lacrosse Games, and Kalanji is one of his best friends he grew up with. Kalanji, my man, how we doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. You sound a lot better now than uh, when we were just chatting. Um, <laughs> so uh, the one thing I wanted to get you on the podcast to talk about was uh, something that, you know, you're very passionate about and you love. Same with me. Obviously, we haven't been able to do much because of COVID and shit, but uh, but traveling. Um, one, I've traveled so many different places, lived in a ton of different places. And for me, I've always loved it because it's uh, opened my mind to new things, new cultures, expanded my perspective on life, um, how I interact with people and stuff like that. Um, so like for you, you know, if you want to talk about places you've been, um, the different cultures that you've experienced and, you know, just overall things that you've learned and new perspectives you had from that, those experiences. Okay. Yeah. So I've been to about like I guess 16 countries. I mean, I think it's kind of a lot for, you know, someone who's pretty young, but, you know, I just, I just love traveling. So my first country, I, I went to, I guess, Barbados, um, Barbados, does that count? I guess it's an island, but yeah. Yeah, no, it counts. Okay. So like, I usually go to like Barbados. I like to see like different islands, Zanzibar, that's in Tanzania. I went there in September. Um, I've been to Germany, Switzerland, Austria. Dubai, you know, places like that. And just going to those different places, I don't know, it just opens my mind up a lot to see all the different cultures, you know, how people live and just how they do things on different sides of, of the world. And, you know, that, that just intrigues me because, you know, here in America, I guess we, I guess to say we have it good, a lot of people in the world, they have it good, but it's just different than how we do it. So I just, that's what I like to do is just travel and just see the world, taste the food. That's that's probably the biggest thing when I'm traveling. It's just I like to see how they like how their food is, and it, most of the time their food is really good. So, what so, um the the most recent place I believe you went to is you were in Dubai, right? Yeah, yep, I was in Dubai. Now that that place was dope, bro. That it it lives up to the hype. It definitely lives what, up to the hype. What uh how what did you what did you go there for? Just to go? Um well. It was it was kind of a business chat slash fun trip. It's called like Investors United. So like this group I'm in, we all we all went together. But uh huh. But uh, so we were, we had like a little yacht party and you know different things. But it was it was mainly it was mainly for like I guess fun. But the people who are in it were like crypto investors. Okay. And so so like yeah, we all went down there because it was just for like a a fun little trip that they had set up. What uh, what about Dubai caught you off guard, or something you weren't expecting, um, based I mean, on what you previously knew about Dubai, or had some ignorant perspective yeah. on it? And when I mean ignorant, I mean like you just based on what you saw on social media, not anything cultural. Yeah. So like, I don't know I've always heard like the hype about Dubai. I never really looked into it like before, like I went to it. I was like interested, I guess, in other countries because you know Dubai is like the flashy type where people talk about, but. When I will call my eye, you know, well, first, everybody there, like, drives either, like, a Rolls Royce, Mercedes. Like, it's just all luxury cars. This is what you'll see. Lamborghinis. Just every day I probably saw, like, parked outside our, our hotel was at least 15 Lamborghinis. <laughs> but, uh, so, like, that, just the flashiness, you know, that caught my eye. But the people there, like, 
caught my eye too is like the people there are really nice to you. Like, um, I guess in different parts you can travel, people aren't as, I mean, people are always nice, but I guess in America, some, a lot of people aren't that nice, I guess, compared to other spots. Like, mm-hmm. cause I guess they're, they're more laid back out there, you know, people just, I guess, enjoy life out there more, but that what caught my eye is just, just like the flashiness of the, the buildings, the skyscrapers. That's another thing. Um, I went to something called the Burj Khalifa, Burj Khalifa, and that's the tallest building in the world. Yeah, I was about and, to say. Yeah, that that's something that, you know, when people travel to Dubai, they they like to do. So I went to the very top. I think it was 148 floors. It's mm-hmm. a Guinness World Guinness World Record. So that's that's um something that really caught my eye. Just how the city is laid out. Real nice, real nice. Did you, uh, did you get a chance to see Fight Island while you were there? No, no, I, I didn't. Uh, I was going to say, if I was there when Usman was there and I saw him, I, I would joke around and be like, yo, let's go. No, <laughs> you know, yeah. he, would, he would fucking flatten me in two seconds. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, but McGregor was staying at the hotel I was staying at. Oh, yeah, that's right. I saw that on your uh, – I actually thought you were with – I know it sounds stupid, but I actually thought you were with him for a second because the <laughs> spot that he was eating at and was working out at, I saw the exact same spot on your story. So, yeah, like, yeah. for a second, like, just mindlessly scrolling on IG, I saw that, and I texted Mark. And I was like, bro, don't even don't even tell me this man is chilling with McGregor. <laughs> Hey, I was maybe one day, bro. <laughs> Yo, he, uh, dude, I, that would have been funny. You know how he did that um, standoff with the yeah. one fan? Yeah. I, that would have been hilarious if that was you. <laughs> yeah, you should have done it with me. Hey, Yo, you, you would have been laughing. You wouldn't. You probably wouldn't have been able to like keep that straight face. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> facts. So. Um, but so when I was in Spain, I went to Spain. Um, when I was a junior in high school, they did it through this program where if your grades were high enough, because uh, the high school I went to was massive. And I think we had about like 500 or so kids per class. Um, mm-hmm. So there was easily like over 2000 kids in our high school. And um, every year they would switch on and off between German, German classes and Spanish classes. And mm-hmm. we went to Spain and we went to Spain for about two, two and a half weeks. We went to Sevilla, Cordoba, or Cordoba, I, I said it wrong, Cordoba, Barcelona, Madrid, um, Toledo, like all Valencia, um, all over the place. Yeah. And th- it was kind of like surprising to me, but not really. And I don't know if you've experienced this um, traveling in your travels, but a lot of uh, Europeans or people that aren't from America, when you go over there, they aren't the most welcoming, not in the like, not in the aspect that they're rude, but more so of like, they just, they think Americans are ignorant and rude. So there, it takes a little bit for them to like open up and warm up to you. Was that something that you experienced at all or not? Yeah, that's actually, that's actually crazy because I've had people say to me, like, you don't act like the typical, typical American. Like I thought you were going to be mean and, you know, just stuck up exactly. Yeah. Like I've had people say it to me in other countries i'm like wow that's really what you guys think of us but like yeah that that that's really happened so like once you get to know people like when you travel i guess like at first Mm -hmm. i guess they can be you know kind of not cold but standoffish i guess yeah because when they know you're from america they just want to think you know how they think we just we want everything deserve everything until they start talking to me, like, oh, wow, you're you're really different. Like, you're not, like, how I thought you were going to be. You know? 
that's actually kind of wild because I, I didn't really think that's how people thought of Americans before I really traveled. And then I hear how they talk. I'm like, yeah. But I can see why they think that, though. But so, No, yeah, exactly. I've had, I've had experiences with that. Um, When we were in, I think it was Madrid. Yeah, I think it was in Madrid. We were at some like little burger joint. Um, And that was like the first time that I was like, oh, because I'm like, hey, uh, man, like, I mean, my mom's always raising me to have good manners. So, like, my boys, like, clown on me sometimes. I'll be at the gas station um, picking up water, like, whatever, and I'll be like, may I please? And yeah. they're just like, why? You know what I mean? So, like, yeah. I'm at this burger joint, and we're in downtown Madrid, and I'm like, hey, may I please get a burger? And, and the guys are like, hablo uh, no inglés. And I'm like, oh, fuck, dude. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know Spanish like that. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm on my phone trying to Google translate it. And you I translate my phone. Yeah. And, and, uh, and this dude, this, uh, little short sp- uh, guy next to me, like taps us and he goes, uh, Americans. I mean, he obviously had like a Spanish accent, but, um, he spoke English and he was like Americans. And we were just like, see, he goes, no, I can, I speak English. And I'm like, oh yeah, oh. we're from, uh, yeah, we're from, uh, Buffalo, Buffalo, New York. And he goes, you know, you guys are the the very first group of Americans that, you know, I've encountered where you're not absolutely just downright disrespectful. And I was like, is that like what everyone thinks? And then my roommate, he went to Ireland to visit his buddy. And when he got back, I was asking him about it. He's like, dude, they hate they hate Americans, like not like in the terms of like they want to go to war or fight. It's just that they're very um, it's probably like our experience with like super, super rich, like snooty people. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. that type of uh, thing. But um, you went to, you said, Tanzania. Mm-hmm. What was Africa yeah. like? Uh, so, one, I've, yeah. I've always wanted to go to Africa. Like, that was on my bucket list ever since I've been a kid. It's on my um, bucket list, too. Yeah, so, like, I had the chance to go in September because I was, I looked at, for my birthday, I couldn't go anywhere because, you know, COVID, all the stuff was shut down. And I was going to go to Barbados, but, you know, they weren't allowing American travelers. So I looked to see, like, what places are allowing American travelers. And I saw Tanzania. I was like, dang, like, I really wanted to go to Africa. And, like, and the flights were cheap. You know, it was September. Everyone was scared to fly. I got a flight to Africa for, like, $450. That's crazy. But, um, so, yeah, when I went there, it was just, like, I don't know, it was just eye-opening. It was like, I don't know, I just felt like I was, like, at home because I'm, I don't know, man, like, the food, the people, they all, they all accepted me. Like, they, uh, so, like, when I r- arrived to Tanzania, when I got off the plane instantly, they knew I was American. Like, they would come up to me, like, my American brother, all this and that, you know. But they, they welcomed me in, in Tanzania. And my name's Kalanji, so, like, they speak Swahili there. And my name, Kalanji, is, like, from a Swahili language. So, like, when I tell them my name, they can, like, relate to me pretty much. And, like, um, so when I was in the mainland, um, Tanzania, well, it's pronounced Tanzania. That's okay. correct me when I was there. That's how you really pronounce it, but everyone says Tanzania. Um, so, yeah, the mainland, that's where they have uh, the Serengeti, like, the National Park, all that. Um, Arusha, where you see all... On TV, Discovery Channel, we see the lions, all that. So when I I went from the mainland and took a uh, ferry to Zanzibar, and that's the most beautiful water I've ever seen. If anyone gets a chance to go to Zanzibar or Tanzania, you should take it because that country is one of the most beautiful countries I've ever seen. And that water is crystal clear. The people are nice. 
They got good fresh fruit, you know, sun, everything. It's just, it was an amazing experience. And I would go back. Honestly, I would go back. I would buy some land there just so I could be there. So it was an awesome experience. And um, another thing about Tanzania, they have really good food. And Zanzibar, you wouldn't think like, I guess some of the uh, countries on the coast of Africa where the water is at, um, they have they have very good seafood, and I didn't even know that because I'm from Maryland, and you know we're known for crab cake, seafood, all that. But when mm-hmm. I went to Zanzibar and tried the seafood they gave me, I was like, oh, this might be better than paying seafood. I don't know about that. I don't know, bro. It's just that experience was something I I want to I want to do again. I got it next time. I well, Mark's not there anymore. His sellout ass went to LA. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But I got to try the seafood down in Maryland because I, I know you're going to probably pack me for it. But <laughs> I didn't I really didn't start eating seafood until um, about my senior year of college, which was 2017. And then when I was living in Boston in 2018, that's when I like branched out, tried lobster and all that stuff for the first time. So like now that I've like I like seafood, mm-hmm. I got to try the Maryland seafood, like the crab mm-hmm. and all that shit. A um, crab cake, a crab cake. You need to try the crab cake. Jimmy Seafood. Crab Jimmy cake. seafood it's called Jimmy seafood yes you need to okay. try that crab cake um when it's funny you say that they knew you were American right away because uh I mean I wasn't at the time ta- uh, I'm trying to think like we were talking about where did we say we wanted to go I forget but my buddies when we were talking about it was like um they're like bro wherever we go that's out of America they're gonna know you're not American the second they see you you're a six foot four pal ass redhead <laughs> they're yeah. gonna be like yeah Yo, you know you're not from here <laughs> yeah <laughs> did um when you were in Africa did you get to do any excursions or anything like that where you got to see like the wildlife like elephants lions any of that shit or like what's that yeah. like so um we went on a safari in the mainland we saw elephants, hyenas, giraffes, hippos, you know, all, all the um, animals that Africa has to offer. We, we saw all those. But and that, that was crazy part, like, because I've, I've always wanted to see that. And now it was, like, becoming real. I'm like, wow. It's, like, really manifested. But And then when I went to Zanzibar, um, yeah, we did some excursions. I, I swam with the dolphins. Um, we went to just uh, a few different, a few different um islands off the coast. You know they have like, they probably have like five different little islands that you can take a boat to, and that water over there is is crystal clear. We went to a couple reefs, saw all the fish. You know, went underwater, did all that. What else did we do? Um, we I saw the biggest tree actually in Africa. I climbed the biggest tree in Africa when I was um, in Zanzibar also. So that's pretty much when you're on the island, all you can do with the excursions is it has to be around water. But my, my favorite thing was probably probably going to – that was probably my favorite. It's besides seeing the animals on the main – Zanzibar, my favorite was swimming with the dolphins. When you saw the – when you saw the – I can't even speak right now. When you saw the animals, were you in like a gated – um, like a gated vehicle or like how's it work? Because I would love to do safari. Because the only thing I keep thinking is like a lion just being like, "Oh shit, here's lunch," and like sprinting at us. <laughs> oh yeah, you're you're in a you're in a gated vehicle. So the okay the lions the lions they're not really they're not gonna get to you. And a lot of they're scared of like the vehicles. 
Really? Yeah. yeah they don't they come up to, sometimes they do. But, like, most of the time, they're not going to come up to the vehicle. Did you uh, get to ride a little moped through the villages at all? <laughs> I'd love uh, to do that. Uh, no, I was just in, I was I was in the car for the most part. But uh, you know, I got out. I got out in some of the villages because when I travel, I like to um get a taste of like how the people who live there actually live, not like how the you know, mm-hmm. like I I stayed on a resort, but I like to go and like mingle with the people. So I got out where the people live. The villages. I went to the fish market. You know, talked to some people. Um, bought some things. You know, so uh, tasted their food. Um, uh, like their culture, food. That's that's one of the main things. Like I like to do. I always make sure I go to where the least tourists are, where the people usually live, so I can actually, you know, taste how they how they do it out there. Yeah, and has. Like, for me, when I was in Spain, Spain's probably the biggest, I would probably say the, the I don't want to say culture shock, but that was like, because I don't think Europe, I mean, as you know, I don't think Europe is anything like the United States in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I was there and I got to see all the different, cult, like, I don't want to say different cultures, but like the different culture and all the different traditions they have, the, the different foods, and like kind of to your point of all that, it opened my mind up to be like, okay we really are so small in the sense of like how big, like the world is massive and like, we're so small, like where we are is that. So it's like, I immediately got that curiosity of wanting to just explore as much as I possibly could. Um, So for you was that kind of um, like the same thing. And like, also for me, it also made me like question my beliefs, not like my beliefs and values, but more so of just like, okay, like what could I learn from these people and what could I learn about this culture and like how do I from going to all these different cultures and all meeting all these different people how could I become more well-rounded in my thoughts was that something that like kind of you had ideas on yeah exactly yeah that's that's like the main thing I want to become a more well-rounded person and traveling really helps you with that absolutely I really believe that like when I like when I was in Germany I got to see. I went to Oktoberfest. Holy like, shit! Yeah, what's so that I, like? Well, tell bro, me about it in a second. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. So, like, went to Oktoberfest. You know, I see how everybody, you know, does things. They dress, talk, this and that. I just, I just adapt to it. I'm not gonna come there and try to be like, oh, this is how we do it in America. So Fuck no. Yeah, and the thing is, like, my friend when I was in um Europe, she's from Germany. So, like, I was with her the whole time when we went to different countries and she speaks German. So like she was showing me around how to do things and, and, and all that. But, um, yeah. So like from the, the food out there in, um, Europe, you know, I, I like that. I was damn too. It's not like how it is in America. Not at all. So like there in Germany, they call like a pretzel is like a actually big, fluffy, like, it's like a real pretzel, cause like she, they will, they always tell me like here in America, it's not the when I say a pretzel, it's not the real pretzel. You guys have the small little hard pretzels. That's not a pretzel. No, like in, Europe, in Europe we have the real pretzels. And I finally saw what she was talking about when I went out there, and I was like, wow, like <laughs> America really not <laughs> really not shit compared to some other places. Yeah, so well, I I haven't formally been to Germany, but when we were flying back to America, we were in Frankfurt. 
for a little bit and that that was the same thing like the lady i the lady was asking us she was just like oh you guys are americans um you got to try these our pretzels and me i was what i think i was like 16 or i think it was 16 or 17 at the time and i'm like oh I've, i love pretzels and she's like no it's not obviously in you know a german dialect but she was just like it's no you guys don't have pretzels over there you guys have <laughs> she basically was saying like you guys got fake bullshit over there yeah, really, pretty <laughs> and, much. yeah and she had us try i mean obviously we paid for it and stuff but she gave us these massive pretzels and like half the pretzel had like sausage and different spices in it and then like the other part of the pretzel had like different cheeses and herbs and stuff and it was the best thing i've ever had in terms yeah. of a pretzel yeah, right. Yeah, that's, they have some good stuff over there. Like, it's just different. Like, every morning and when I was in Germany, we would, like, walk to the bakery and, like, literally just get, yeah, just get our breakfast, different stuff that we we're going to eat for breakfast. Like, well, for breakfast, they'll use, they'll have, like, they eat bread a lot over there, but, like, oh, their, yeah. bread, their bread is different from ours, but, like, they'll eat bread with, like, cheese and sausage. Just different. Just different it's stuff. Like, uh, that they have. It's like, it's more like, I don't know the exact term for it, but it, it tasted and felt more like a croissant type of bread. Yeah, yeah. But, like, uh, the, it was different. Like, the breakfast was different, but I liked it. You know, it's not it's not just cereal. They're not just eating, you know, in the morning or this and that. They, they had a, a variety of different stuff for, for the breakfast, and I, I really liked it. That's one of the reasons I like to travel, like I said before. No, exactly. Um, the other thing too, like I wasn't really put onto it and I know you, you are. So like this, um, you know, transitioning off that was when I was in Europe, it was kind of like, I didn't think about it in the moment because at the time I really wasn't into like, you know how it is when you're young and you play sports, you got a fast metabolism, you could eat McDonald's, yeah. you could be, you, um, you, <laughs> you'd be on the Ocho Cinco diet and you'd be yeah. fine. And, <laughs> But um, when I think back about the experience I had in Europe, it was a lot of fresh food markets. I watched the vegetables, mm -hmm. lean meats, stuff like that. Um, and obviously, since graduating college and not playing sports anymore, I like to take my health very seriously in terms of like what I'm putting into my body and stuff like that. Like, obviously, I'll get um, McDonald's or Five Guys here and there, like, obviously, when I'm hungover and shit. And I remember when – I don't know if you remember this, but – when we went to the mall that time I was visiting, you guys got uh, like stir fry and shit like that. And I got five guys and you and Mark were just like, damn, fat ass. <laughs> you guys, you guys were like, damn, fat. And I'm like, bro, I ain't fat. Like, what are you talking about? You guys kept saying that. And then obviously, like, as I got to know you better, um, followed your Instagram, followed your fitness page and stuff like that. That's one thing that um, you are, I would say, like low key about is what you put in your body your health and stuff like that so where did you learn that was that just out of pure ignorance of i don't want to be fat and when i say ignorance it's just meaning like i just i i'm associating eating like that to bad health without actually knowing the logistics behind it or were you just like were you taught that or like how yeah. how did you like get on to like health because like since i've known you you've always been like a fruits veggies and like taking care of your body type of person yeah, so um, I was pretty much taught that, like, when I was born, we used to live with my grandparents growing up, and my grandfather, he's a vegetarian, he hasn't eaten meat in over 40-some years, mm -hmm. so, like, living with him, um, I, I would see as a kid, like, what he eats, what he puts in his body, and I would see, like, my dad, he played football, too, and I would see, like, younger, he would eat fruits, vegetables, this and that, 
And so we were just taught that, like, my, my mom growing up, she wouldn't let us drink soda, like, eat, like, donuts and stuff like that. She never really bought that type of stuff and put it in the house. So, like, that was just, like, instilled in us. And then mm-hmm. as as I got older, playing sports, I would see, like, how to be a top athlete, you have to take care of your body. And, like, you need to put the right stuff in it and fill your body, fuel your body with the right um, things. And I would just do research and see what other athletes were doing. And then I just – it just became a, a part of my life pretty much. And then it just stuck with me. But growing up, so that's – it was just instilled in me as a kid. And then, you know, I just kept it with me. And that's it's yeah. important. It's important though to you know fill your body with the right stuff and eat the right stuff because your body truly is your temple. It, absolutely, and um, I get a lot of uh, like my recipe. Well, I don't want to say recipes because I don't know exactly what goes in it. But like whenever Braun, AB, any of those dudes post their meals on Snapchat or IG, I screenshot that shit and I kind of like Google like what what it is and try to like mm-hmm. remake that plate for myself. Um, but I had a roommate at uh mercyhurst not hobart because i lived with mark at hobart <laughs> yeah. but um i had a roommate at mercyhurst that um after he stopped playing football he wanted to lose weight because he was just all that muscle turned to fat and he was just mm-hmm. like dude i don't like how i feel i don't like how i look and he got shredded and lost a shit ton of weight and he completely changed his diet and um he made me eat almost everything the same thing he ate and the one thing i noticed is how much more energy i had like i would get like five i'd get like a four or five hours worth of sleep just from like being out partying or um you know studying and stuff like that and the next morning i'd wake up and i would feel great or if i would eat like that for an entire week and then i drink on the weekends i wouldn't feel hung over the next day so that's like that's kind of like what got me into like looking into that stuff. And then obviously like researching myself, listening to house podcasts and stuff like that. Um, do, do you think like, cause uh, now we're going to talk about like things about school and stuff like that. Do you think, um, cause I know when I was in middle school and growing up and stuff, they teach you like the, the pyramid, that, that mm-hmm. pyramid about your grains, the meats, the fish, all that, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah but about. yeah. So, and obviously there's health experts that say, as time goes on, that whole pyramid's a bunch of shit. Mm-hmm. So, um, do you think that they need to be uh, teaching food health and stuff like that better than what they do now in school? Yeah, absolutely. I definitely think they need to teach, especially in America, because America is the fattest country in the world. Like, we do not know anything about like health in this country. So, like, especially holistic, like what to eat, what to put in your body. So mm-hmm. your body can, so your body can heal itself. Like, um, we're just in America, we, you know, we eat a lot of fast food. Um, we consume a lot of sugar and that's why we have like heart disease is, is high in this country, you know, different, different, um, medical issues is high. Cause we, we don't really know about the right, um, fruits and vegetables and supplements that we need to be putting in. And I think they need to teach that to the kids starting young, like, you need to start learning stuff in elementary school and that would make our country um a lot more healthier, but I believe they do it on like on purpose. They don't want to teach us about like what, how to really uh, get our health right because, you know, big businesses, like they make money with us being sick, like all the fast food and stuff, you know, and then you go to the doctor, that's, that's a billion dollar industry, a trillion dollar industry. They're making money from that from us being sick so i feel like they really don't want us to know the truth about like health but you know we need mm-hmm. to find it out for ourselves 
Yeah, two things I have off of that. One, why do you think that when you ha- say what you just said, because I completely agree with you, um, do a, a people come come back with th- that's a conspiracy? Bro, I don't... Why do you think that, at least? Uh, I guess I would say they just call it a conspiracy because they don't want to think for themselves. They just, I guess they might hear other people say it. And mm-hmm. then, so they just say, oh, yeah, that's just a conspiracy instead of really diving into themselves and finding out the truth from themselves. That's, that's the only reason I could think of. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I just wanted to get your thought on it. Um, yeah. And then the other thing is, too, is with the pro like the obviously the processed American diet. Um, mm-hmm. And this might come off as a little controversial, but my uncle always says it to me. He goes, America is one of the only places where poor people can be obese. Yeah. Whereas in, like, all these other countries, people that are poor are, like, damn near starving. So, um, and, like, how sugar is the worst thing to put in your body. So, do you think that um, the people not diving into it is just out of pure laziness? Or do you think people more so take the approach of just, like, oh, well, I'm going to die one day, so I don't really give a fuck? Uh, I think it's, bro, I think it's both for real. Laziness and just, just not caring. But a lot of people, like, are ignorant to it. They don't really know what they should be eating mm-hmm. to put in their body to to make it do this or that so like like i guess people's family they should be teaching that at home too but i, I feel like a lot of them probably don't as you mm-hmm. can see in america like with the you can see the results of the people I'm not trying to be mean or whatever but no no just, no it's just, just the truth it's just the yeah truth. yeah no you're, you're, you're telling it how that. it is yeah i'm just telling it how it is so like yeah people just i think they should just um do the restart to research like what you should put into your body to fuel it fuel it the best instead of just um you know just eating fast food here there eat getting this wing spot burger here is that more cooking at home and stuff people just need people just need to be taught that you know because you don't know what you don't know facts i mean there's nothing wrong with eating that shit either it's just more so it's like 80 i saw a thing with michael b jordan he was basically saying like uh he eats chicken wings pizza cake and shit like that but for the most part it's like 85 15 where 85 percent of the time he's eating healthy he's drinking kombucha he's Mm -hmm. taking supplements drinking tons of water getting electrolytes in him all that and then like his like off days and stuff he'll dive into like chicken wings or something but he was saying that out of say if he's bulking for a movie or something like that and he eats five meals a day he'll eat say one meal that's like chicken wings followed up with cake and then the other three meals are like super healthy so there's a way to do it where you're not just stuffing your face yeah exactly um the other thing i wanted to get into with you was um finance obviously me and you aren't financial experts but um we both have had a fair amount of business mentors or um, you've gone to a couple conferences. I've never gone to a conference, but I read a lot of financial books and stuff like that. Um, yeah. and when, and when you were absolutely whooping my ass and mad, and we were talking about this, um, yeah. what was the recession proof conference you went to? And then yeah. what were, what were the biggest things that you learned from that conference that you were like, holy shit. Um, so like, yeah, I went to a recession proof conference. Um, so his name is Marcus Barney. His Instagram is him five hundred, and he bro he teaches a lot about like financial literacy, investing, just um just different entrepreneurship 
things you can you can get into, uh, like mm-hmm. liquidating credit cards, just just different stuff like that. But and I don't know, bro, it really opened my eyes because like growing up, like in school, I wasn't I wasn't taught any of this stuff. I, mm-hmm. I wasn't taught any of this financial literacy stuff. So after this conference, I was just blown away of how much new information I got. And just like about okay, so I know about credit and like it's important, but I I didn't know like you know we dove deep into that about like you know how to what a good credit report should look like, how to get the inquiries off your credit report, how many accounts you should have on your credit report, how what what letters to send to the credit bureaus to get the inquiries off. So you so your points can raise because just like for example like when you're going to buy a car and they they um use an inquiry to to look you up that's it that's one inquiry on your account right there and that makes your credit score go down. Mm-hmm. So you're looking for five cars. That's five inquiries on your report that you could get off, but most people just don't know how to. They don't have the information how to get off. So he was he was just giving us free game, free information, and he had, he actually had um few people speak. Floyd Mayweather came and spoke to us. Uh, Rick Ross, Wallow and Gilly. He also had um, a, a lot of different like investors come and talk to us. And Earn Your Leisure, I don't know if you've heard of them on Instagram. They're a big entrepreneur account. Who? Um, they're called Earn Your Leisure. And no, I have not. Someone called Wall Street Trapper. He was, oh my god, he came. <laughs> Wall he, Street he, Trapper. Yeah, he's a millionaire now, but he's from New Orleans and he was in prison and when he was in prison, he was just learning about, he took the time was like, okay, man, like I need to do something. So he just started studying, just investing, bro. And he got out and just applied all the stuff he was studying for the last 10 years and became a millionaire. So like they were, they were just teaching us a lot of, a lot of good stuff, bro. Do you listen to a uh, million dollars worth of game? Yeah. Yeah. Some of them. Yeah, those one. Well, I've been I've been on uh, a lot of Wallow this mm-hmm. content before he even joined Barstool, and then obviously Gilly. But um, listen, so did you listen to the episode they had with Floyd Mayweather? Yeah, so that the one they did with Floyd Mayweather that was at our conference. They so we weren't even allowed to record it. They like, all right, so this is a live podcast, but y'all get to see it first. You can't have your phones out or anything. So we're going as to it should as later. it should be. I think that's yeah, how yeah. it should be. It's like yeah, facts, facts. Because it's like not to sound like a dick, but at the same time it's like there's probably a kid that really really is like, "Yo, I want this information, but mm-hmm. may not be able to afford the ticket or something along those lines." But then mm-hmm. you have someone like me or you who could afford say a 100 or 200 dollar ticket to go to this event. And the entire time we're just sitting there bullshitting on our phones. It's like, yo, like yeah. that kid could have used the information over us. But, but anyways, um, yeah, like you were saying, was there a lot of gems from uh, from those three, Gilly, Wallow, and Floyd, that you were like, oh shit? Yeah, especially like it's different when. So Floyd is uh, like a billionaire. So like the way he's talking about money is not like the way that like most people I hang around talk about money because I'm not facts a billionaire. Like Facts. just how to they were talking about not yet not to cut you yeah, off not, not yet yeah not, not yet yeah not, not yet we guys we got to speak that shit into existence come on yeah, I know so. you I know you're on the manifestation shit so yeah. um, nice. but continue they were talking about how you turn liabilities into assets you know a lot of a lot of different things like that um and it was just information that that I was not taught in school and I was I was really bro just taking notes the whole time. Like, <laughs> the whole time, I was just 
writing down everything that they were talking about, different businesses you can start. Um, like, um, there was people there who have million-dollar truck businesses or real estate. There was a lot of people who would talk to us about real estate and how to get into real estate. And a lot of these guys who they had, like, didn't go to college or, like, dropped out of high school, but they're just go-getters, you know? Mm-hmm. They, don't, they don't they don't have any um degrees but they they're just go-getters and that's like that's pretty much you need that hunger if you want to be successful in any business type of environment you need to be a go-getter they're also that's- talking about you know the guys who are there floyd how like a lot of athletes do very well in business because they bring that athlete mindset over there that's that's one of the things i remember that they were talking about how Athletes do very well in business. Yeah, I was just going to say, I believe, I also heard this, I'm not even going to try to pawn it off as my own, but I heard from Gary Vee. Um, he was saying that business is the fifth major sport. He yeah. he wholeheartedly believes that. And he was saying, that's what he was saying. And what you were saying about real estate is, um, I've been in real estate for about, uh, I would say like going on seven years now, um, mm-hmm. but like selling real estate for five. But I was just telling a buddy that money is money. Like we were raised, I don't know how you were raised, but for the most part, people are raised to have money be a taboo subject in a way Mm -hmm. Um, where it's like, yo, don't ask people about money. Don't talk about money. Don't do that. And I always, from a young age was always like, okay, well, how are people going to learn though? If school isn't really putting you onto the game of money on Mm -hmm. on top, like, and and for the most part, people are like, oh yeah, they do. They, they teach you business. They teach you taxes. It's like, okay, yeah, but they're not teaching you how to build wealth and generational wealth and being able and, and being able to create, a pipeline of wealth to where I could call you and I say, Hey, Kalanji, I got a job for you. I'm going to put you on. I'm going to, I'm going to hire you under one of my companies or one of my investments that I'm going on. And then that way it's like, uh, it's like Stefan Diggs was talking about it, about how it's like, it starts with one person and then it like, it, it branches off. And then it's just like, you can build an empire in a way. Obviously it takes time, but, um, from what I always did was, so like my mom had me at 17, raised me on her own, no dad, nothing, which Father's Day tomorrow. <laughs> anyway, so, <laughs> but anyways, I always was just like, I was always like, oh, I want to go to the league. Like, cause, but it wasn't really like thinking football. It was more, or basketball. It was more so like that money. Cause I'm like, I'm going to, like, I don't know where it came from. Cause no one really taught me about investing or anything. It was just more so of like, I, once I heard from Tony Robbins that people don't become rich off their salary. I was like, wait a minute, time the fuck out. I was like, how does this? And I started diving into these financial books. And then I learned about investing. And so I would see someone kind of like how Floyd talked about um, in previous podcasts. And he brought it up on Million Dollars Worth of Game about how when he's around his billionaire buddies, he's like, okay, it's cool that I'm on your yacht, but I need myself a yacht. How'd you do, how'd you do this? Put me on. How'd you, mm-hmm. um, and just like how Willie, Willie, or I can't say not Willie, but Gilly and Wallow, they they give a lot of I mean obviously their their podcast a million dollar worth of game but they give a lot of free game, um, yeah. and I would just ask people I'd just be like yo like I'm not trying to be ignorant here I'm not trying to step on your toes but like I want to create generational wealth retire my mom I want to be able to like Conor McGregor says like have my kids 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 not have to worry about a fucking thing so yeah. what are the steps I need to take and. I was already in real estate and people were like real estate. And then from real estate, I learned about credit and then obviously Mm -hmm. selling real estate. 
I couldn't even tell you the amount of people I work with that are first time home buyers that say, oh, I didn't know my credit needed to be this. I didn't know I needed, I thought, I didn't know I needed this much as a down payment and stuff like that. And they don't mm-hmm. teach you this in school. And my biggest issue I have with it, and I'll give it back to you, is that student loans, like as much as a president may say, oh, we're going to forgive them. The government owns about 95% of those loans. They ain't doing shit. <laughs> they ain't making money. So they ain't giving that away. Um, so I know I have friends that have had to refinance their student loans because their student loans have been 900 $1,000 because that's how much debt they have. And it's like, okay, compound interest. If you were putting your, if you were putting 900 to $1,000 into a compounded interest fund every month, within 15 to 20 years, you would have millions. Yeah. And that is just you setting that aside. So it's like, yes. Oh, well, I have student loans. Everyone has it, but it's like, okay, well, everyone else is not also a millionaire and is going to be working until the day they die. So yeah. it's like, unless you want that for yourself, you kind of got to pivot. And for people that may listen to this, they may be like, Oh, you're just money doesn't bring happiness and all that bullshit, but whatever. That's not what I'm trying to say. Um, a lot of people aren't put onto that. Like I had a friend on the one podcast and he goes, dude, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't know what the hell you're even talking about. Yeah. And he works in finance. Yeah. Uh, well, back to your, your point about, you know, asking like, for example, a billionaire, how did you do this? When you talked about Florida on the yacht, that's exactly when I was at the conference, like what I was doing, like you want to, you want to get into the room with people like that. First of all, like if you're in a room with people like that, you're doing something good. Like, mm-hmm. you always want to be in a room with someone smarter than you, more money than you. They can teach you something. So, like, I'm always willing to, like, learn from people like that. And that's the same thing I do. I, I ask people who have a million-dollar, like, real estate business or trucking business, whatever. I ask, I ask the people at the conference, so, like, what did you do to – how would you do this or how would you do that? You know, I write it down so I could do it myself, like. I don't know that's one of those things that's just like a type of blessing where you can you can learn from other people about how how like how to get where they're at and how to not make the mistakes they made when they were your age and how to get how to get your credit up and how to liquidate uh cards and you know just different type of stuff like that and you know I'm we're still learning and I'm still learning too but you can never just stop getting around those type of people where they can teach you more and more. Absolutely. And the, the thing is too, is that it's like, obviously if you asked a hundred people, maybe you get five back, but those like little gems that you get, mm-hmm. you're not going to learn anywhere else. Yeah. Um, and real estate to me was like when I was listening to their, uh, the podcast with Floyd, cause I listen to all the million dollar worth of game. Because one, I think they're fucking hilarious. Yeah, no, they're <laughs> so funny. Yo, do you see, I reposted uh, what Gilly what Gilly had on, um, what Gilly posted yesterday after the Sixers um, forced game seven. Did you see, see that? It. Yeah, no, he was dancing. He did, he's like, game seven. He's like screaming it. And uh, he was dancing to the Migos straightening. <laughs> and he yeah. was just like, <laughs> like going off. And he's like, yeah. And then his next post was like, uh, 
Trey Young making TikToks. <laughs> yeah. That's how he was on the stage at the conference. He was just wilding on the stage. There, there. Yo, or when uh, he beat Floyd up. Yo, he asked him, he's like, Floyd, uh, if you don't mind me asking how much that watch. And then when Floyd said it, he's just like, he like got up and walked around. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I remember that. Oh, shit. He's, they're yeah. funny. Yeah, yeah. Or the, uh, the one I was listening to, Kevin Durant, he uh, was. I, I don't want to quote it wrong, but he was saying, he's just like, I'll run with you. And then Gilly's like, bro, you are trash. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, bro. They're so funny. But um, so what would you say that from, you know, listening to those guys, the recession proof conference, um, learning about credit, real estate, trucking businesses, even vending machine businesses, which a lot of people don't know about. Um, which shout out to my my uh, my buddy FJ Williams. He started Brotherly Love Vending in Philadelphia, and he's just been investing and making really good money off that. Um, it, what would you say the three biggest takeaways from that conference were that you could say right now on this podcast that uh, for someone that's listening, they could easily just Google what you said and they can find more information about it. Um, so the biggest three things I'll take away is that financial literacy is extremely important. <laughs> that That's one. That's something that before I went there, I, I didn't really know about how important it was in, in the real world. Because like I said, how we're not really taught that. Like I knew it's like a little bit like important, but like we went in depth into it. So that's like very important. Two, get get your credit right so you can leverage your credit and people will be able to trust you businesses when they see you have a high credit score and a low um utilization rate, they'll be able to trust you and they know that you'll pay the money back. Something like that. So uh work on your work on your credit score is number two. And three, something I took away is just you gotta you gotta run the play, is what they were talking about at the conference. So you can have all the gems and information you have, but you have to run the play yourself. You gotta, you gotta do it yourself. Mm-hmm. That's that's probably the third thing they talk about. Like they can give you all the information you want, but you gotta apply it. You gotta run the play, pretty much. Mm-hmm. So that, that's the three biggest things that, and I'm doing that right now. I'm still applying it, working on it right now. So that's probably three of the biggest things. Yeah, I would say, you know, to wrap that up, I would definitely say, like Floyd was talking about athlete-wise, like, um, it's for people that were athletes, I know that you played football at a high level. Mark played blacks at a high level. I mean, I played with Mark. Um, and then you got a couple of buddies that play in the, the league. You you work out at the Under Armour headquarters with some guys that are in the league. It's that constant, constant daily grind, but it's like, it's for the bigger picture. So it's just yeah. like, yeah, ah, shit, like, I would love to go out tonight, but I, I can't because based after automating my check, like, I get a direct deposit for, say, $100, like, I'm just hypothetically talking, um, I get a check for $100, and 20% of it go goes straight off the top into an account I don't even see, and then the other 20% goes into investments, now I'm left with 60% of my check, and it's like, after I pay my bills, I'm only left with, say, 5% of that. And that's not mm-hmm. enough money for me to go out. Well, okay, if the bigger picture is financial literacy, then you you stay in. You don't go out. And yeah. that discipline is, I think, a little bit easier with people that are athletes because when you are an athlete and you play at a high level, if you don't have that discipline, you're, you're not even at that high level to begin with. Bro, that's no doubt. No doubt. Discipline is something like 
a lot of people really like really need. But like mm-hmm. as an athlete, you know, your coach, like you're still in that in the young age, like that's instilled in you to have discipline because you don't have di- discipline in football or basketball, whatever. You get a penalty, bonehead play, you're either getting benched or cut. So like you, a lot of a lot of people have that uh, discipline. And they bring it over into the financial world too. So mm-hmm. that's that's something that yeah we we really need and a lot of people should have and should work on too. I know uh, I know you're a Bama guy, so um, yes, sir. So you, I know you appreciate I I know you appreciate this, but um, you know when they had their Bama cuts, that little Bama cuts thing they were doing, kind of like how LeBron has the shot, but Bama did it. Did you yeah. ever see it? It was on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. there was I think it was Derrick Henry. Uh, Jerry Judy, maybe Najee Harris, and I think Julio was there. I could be wrong, but it, it's pointless anyways. Um, and Nick Saban was talking about how he always preached to his players about it's like, yo, the day is going to come, whether you play in the league for 10 years or two years, that you're going to not be playing a sport anymore and you're going to have to do something else. So while you're in college and while you're here at Bama, he was big on getting his players to start thinking about life after sports and like, Hey, what, what in things are you investing in? And like, they didn't say specifically, but Derrick Henry was saying that that's like the, that's one of the biggest things about like Bama is that like, they really prepare you for, Oh, Amari Cooper was the receiver, not Julio. Um, And he was saying that at Bama, like Nick Saban really pushes them and, and like grinds them on all levels because um, Nick Saban was saying that when he first got the coaching job, he's like, I, I'm, there's going to come a day where I'm not coaching anymore. And then he was saying how he invested in Mercedes car dealerships. And yeah. you can only imagine how many, <laughs> how many of those that dude has. Yeah. And, then, and then his salary is like seven, eight million. I think it is a year to coach. So yeah. it's, um, so it's things like that. And then obviously um, Nick Saban talks about, he talks about the process and this kind of goes back to the discipline. And one of the things like I've heard him say, cause I like to listen to a lot of interviews and podcasts. He was saying that um, it, it like you, the choice is an illusion in that if you want to be elite, which in terms of financial literacy, that is being elite with money. You don't really have a choice. It's not like, Oh, okay. I could, uh, I only got $5, but I'm going to take 20 out of my savings to go have, go have dinner. It's like, it sounds almost psychopathic in a way, but it's like, yo, that's the discipline you need to reach that, which, which is why for the most part, only 1% of the population actually reaches it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Like pretty much with anything you need discipline, but you know, the average person, I, I don't think they're going to have that type of discipline. That's why, like you said, it's only 1%. So Mm -hmm. like, so you really, bro, you really definitely need that. And, and Nick Saban, he's right. There, there's gonna come a day where you're not playing a sport, so you need to, you need to be well-rounded, like a well-rounded person. You can't just oh, football, 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 basketball, basketball. Like you, you gotta do some other things. You gotta, you know, you gotta invest in different companies, and that's that's a major that's a major thing. Like investing is, um, is what I was taught. Like. You need to make some passive income. So while you're sleeping, your money, like you, you can be making money. Mm-hmm. And that's how, that's how you become, that's how you create generational wealth. For yeah. And income. for me right now, how I look at, obviously sports betting is not investing. That's, mm-hmm. that's not investing. <laughs> but um, I remember, cause we had a group chat talking about it. You, me and Mark, 
um, or you, Mark, and I, as I should yeah. say, um, with, with the NFL playoffs last year, I parlayed all the games. And mm-hmm. I turned 50 into 150 and then 150 into 800. And when I had 800, but I hit on all my bets. Like, the only bet I was, wasn't was sure about and I hedged was Packers-Rams. I think it was uh, Rams minus 6.5. And, and I was like, I don't know if they're covering that. So. Yeah. Uh, I did, I did on one ticket, the Rams, the other ticket, the Packers. And then after the bills beat the Ravens, um, yeah, I know I had to say it like that. Yeah. After, (laughs) after Taron Johnson had that pick six on Lamar, that's when I was like, yo, the 800, the 800 baby. And then obviously I put all, I put, um, all 800 on the bills to win the Super Bowl, And we know that that didn't even remotely, (laughs) but, and like all my buddies were like, Yo, I would have won. I forget how much. I, I would have won a couple thousand off that. But my buddies were like, yo, you're an idiot. Da, 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 da. And I'm just like, <laughs> dude, if you think about it, though, I only lost $50. Right. Mm-hmm. So next time around, I go up 800. I pocket, say, 700. And I take that initial other 100 and I try to reinvest it. And if I lose it, I never really lost that 100, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, um that does make sense <laughs> yeah no exactly and uh to the discipline aspect just this is irrelevant but um i saw bama was up i want to say like they were playing maybe like troy or rice like one of the early games to build confidence where they just shit kick someone yeah. and they were uh they were up 40 they were up 40 and some dude went off sides and nick saban like broke the headset screaming and grabbed the dude by the jersey and they asked him about it after the game he's like he goes, whether we're up 40 or not, he goes, that's, that's a bad habit. Just him going off sides and me not critiquing him for it. Because mm-hmm. then it allows him to just think it's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, I saw that. I know exactly what you're talking about. That I'm like, too. But that's yeah, a good like, coach. Like, I like how he does that. That's why he wins. Yeah. Exactly I was just about to say, that's why they do. And a lot of people are like, fuck him, he's an asshole. It's like, okay, but at the same time, I saw, again, I saw Henry Ruggs. He was talking about yeah. how um, – his freshman year, he was late to practice and he kept being late to practice. And he called the offensive coach. And he's like, Hey man, like I get out of class at this time. By the time I get to practice, I'm, I'm late. And he said, his coach just uh, goes, he's thinking the coach is going to be the offense coordinator or whoever it was, was thinking he was going to um, be lenient with him. And he just goes, Henry, I'm going to, I'm just going to be plain and simple with you. Bama's not for everyone and hung up the phone. And he's like, Oh shit. He goes, he's like that. He's like that right there is what made me a man. Yeah, I mean, yeah, a lot of coaches have that, like, mentality, you know, like, this place is is not for everyone. But, like, I mean, that's good that, like, Saban, had, he holds the place to that discipline. And I know a, a couple players who went to Bama, and they talk about how they love Saban. Like, people see on TV Saban yelling, this and that. Like, every coach yells, I guess. But, like, Saban really, love. like, yeah, but Saban, like, he, like, pours into his players. That's why they, that's why they come back, because, like, He'll tr- he treats you like a man, and then but he'll actually like show the players love and you know talk to them about real real world stuff, real life. You know, mm-hmm. football is football is football. When it's on the field, yeah, he'll yell at you this and that. He'll like critique you, but off the field, I heard that Saban was like a very good person, and they love Saban. Yeah, he was one of the first coaches too to do a walk with his players after the George Floyd thing too. Like one mm-hmm. of the very first coaches to do it. Yeah, that's why uh, they respect Saban. Saban has that respect. <laughs> They're playing yeah, yeah, no, 100%. So, um, you know, wrapping it up here, it's been a great conversation with you, catching up with you. Um, what is – I got a couple more questions for you, and then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll end the podcast on that. 
Um, what is the worst advice you've ever received? The worst advice I ever received. Where you heard it and um, you're just like, nah. probably, <laughs> maybe like, be realistic. Don't chase your dreams. Some, some along that. Just like, don't, don't try to strive too high or something. Thank you. That's, that's Thank like the worst you. I've ever heard. I, I've asked that now to a couple of people and they're like, oh, I don't know. It's been in one year out the other. And I literally say every time, I'm like, yo, the worst thing. I have ever heard is be realistic. I don't know what the fuck that means. Yeah. yeah I don't, same. I honestly don't know what that means because what I'm capable of is way different than what you're it's capable diff- of and yeah, vice versa. Exactly. And vice versa. Exactly. Um, exactly. The, what is the best piece of advice you've ever gotten? The best piece of advice I've ever gotten. Uh... Um, best piece of advice I ever got, I, mean, I could say is, I don't know, love your family every day. Tell your family you love them every day. Facts. I guess. That's, I mean, that's good advice. You never know what can happen. So I guess, um, yeah, that's, that might be the And the then. I, don't know, I can't think about top of the head. <laughs> no, I know. I'm putting you on the spot here. That's yeah. why I didn't really tell you about it before because I want, like, <laughs> so, um, because most of the time when I give people time to think about it, they like, I hear shit that like I've heard a million times, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but okay. And then the next thing is last question is if you could meet 18 year old Kalanji today, what would you tell him about the ups and downs in life? And then what piece of wise words would you give him to carry moving forward in life? I tell him to keep striving. Don't give up. Um, if I could meet 18 year old Kalanji, I'd tell him to, start researching some more financial literacy stuff tell them to start some businesses just to try it out because you know see where life takes you that's what that's what that's what i tell them just to work on your credit score and stuff like that because that's very important as an assault so yeah that's what i would do and we'll end on that i love it so my man i appreciate you doing this and taking out the time of your day to do it with me so we'll uh we'll definitely have to get you on another one um yeah, when no uh when we get mark on too because have you met uh our boy keenan he played basketball at hobart i had him on a couple of days ago and i was like um just for mark when he listened pack mark real quick and he he said mark looks like the roach he said mark looks like the roach from men in black <laughs> yo <laughs> yo that's funny yo, mark, yo. mark mark looked like samuel jackson yo <laughs> okay Oh, he does. Yo. So, oh my God. All right, I got to end it on that. So, <laughs> uh, I'll talk to you, bro. All right, bro. It was nice talking to you. For sure. I'll see you. All right, bro.